In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good to see Joe here from California preaching tonight. And uh, Joe, our custom is not always, but often to uh, carry over from Sunday, Sunday's readings from the lectionary. And usually the preacher from Sunday preaches again on Wednesday. And usually, not always, it's a similar sermon. I thought it would not hurt any of us to hear again about humility. So uh, back we are on that topic for those who were here on Sunday and, and offering to those of you who were not here on Sunday. Because I believe that's at the bottom of, and bless Gary Beeson, who has heard this sermon three times, and now gets a fourth opportunity to hear about humility. Thank you. That's a lovely, what, a, what an attitude. You should be rector of a parish. So at the bottom of today's parables regarding starting at the lowest place around the table and the second parable, remembering others when you are having a bash, I believe at the bottom, the baseline, Jesus is teaching about humility again and its opposite, excessive pride. Jesus says in the midst of these parables, he says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. I love T.S. Eliot and I love his four quartets, his great poem. And he writes of humility in that poem. And he says this, uh, the the exclusive quality of this kind of shocks me. He says, the only wisdom we can hope to acquire. I mean, he puts it as the ultimate, the apex of all the wisdom that we might come to possess. He says, the only wisdom wisdom we can hope to acquire is the wisdom of humility. And then he says in this poem, humility is endless. I think he's simply encouraging us to seek humility all of our lives and uh, that there's always room for more growth in humility. It's endless. Uh, One of the commentators on this passage wrote, humility alone, again, the exclusiveness of these comments, Humility alone constitutes worthiness in the eyes of God. What is most worthy in the eyes of God? Humility. Think of his own son, the Lord Jesus, in his humble life, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And I do think there is an inclination in every one of us to gravitate more towards the other end of that spectrum, tending to be overly ambitious for ourselves, excessively assertive to win, brash, arrogant, full of ourselves, full of pride. There's a great uh, wisdom, many great mottos that come out of the AA tradition, the Alcoholics Anonymous tradition. And one of their uh, offerings of wisdom is this. It is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less often. That's a good one. That seems to hold that proper tension between humility and Um, a healthy humility and a healthy pride. It's not to think less of yourself, don't be a doormat, but to think of yourself less often. Whenever I hear this word humility, it takes me back uh, to a long time ago. Ellen and I were just married. It was the 80s. This happened repetitively because it was a it was a request made by other family members numerous times when we would gather again for a Christmas Uh, uh, or Easter weekend or Thanksgiving. Um, We would spend time with uh, Ellen's sister, Betsy, 
And uh, our brother-in-law, Lee Ray Moody, uh, Lee Ray Moody was full-bred, full-blown, Lake City, South Carolina raised. Uh, and, uh, but they all lived in Walterboro, and we lived there for a while. And Lee Ray would get out his guitar, and he would sing this song to perfection. Now, imagine that fellow who is just good-looking as they can come, with a beautific smile on his face, great sense of humor, and a Citadel graduate to boot. And uh, just sort of the perfect uh, picture of the potentially prideful person. And Lee Ray would start strumming his guitar, and he'd get this big smile because this song, I think, just really tickled his own heart. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a hell of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best I can. That's Mac Davis from 1974 when he first wrote it. So why would humility be a great thing to possess or to acquire? Why would one want, why would one want to be a humble person? What is the gain? Um, I love this uh, wisdom from another commentator. He says, Christ in these parables is not giving counsel of worldly wisdom or of good manners when you attend a banquet, but teaching a lesson of humility, he writes. And then he has this great punchline. Humility is the passport to promotion in the kingdom of God. That's a powerful kind of concept and phrase. Humility is the passport to promotion in the kingdom of God. And we can see that all through scripture, actually. Old Testament, New Testament, even the Apocrypha, as we heard on Sunday, had a bit of that. Uh, Jesus giving emphasis to humility. I think of the Sermon on the Mount as sort of the centerpiece of all his teachings. And, and there he says in the Beatitudes, he, he leads off, you know, kind of the lead-off batter and hits the home run. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I love uh, one translator offers, blessed are those who know their need of God, for theirs is the kingdom. And Eugene Peterson unpacks it even a bit more fully in his message uh, translation. He says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more God, more of God and his rule. We could drop down in so many places in scripture to get the same message. Uh, uh, James reminds us, humble yourselves before the Lord. The Lord will exalt you just as Jesus taught. The prophet Micah reminds us, he says, he, he has told you, O oh man, the Lord has told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require? That great line to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Boy, we are living a culture that needs to hear those words of wisdom. To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. So uh, again this morning, repeat, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a bit. Um, I offer four suggestions to those who want to take possession of this passport into the kingdom of God, this passport to promotion in the kingdom of God. And uh, the first practical thought I have about this is uh, item number one, bow before the Lord. I'm talking about worship, uh, to worship often and regularly. Worship daily in your home. Worship weekly in your church. Worship when you are here and when you are away. 
And by worship, I mean take time each day to pray, uh, perhaps to sing his praises or listen to others singing his praises as you join in, to hear his words from Scripture, open that Bible, and uh, when we have opportunity to, to eat at the Lord's table, as we will in just a few minutes, God will come and meet with the person who has bowed before him. Isaiah writes, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. I mean, he is transcendent beyond space and time, beyond this enormous universe that we heard described last night at our men's gathering. He's beyond that. But he said, and I also dwell with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart the contrite. I know who I'm preaching to here. I know you all know that because you have experienced that in your own uh, contrite lives. So bow before the Lord as a way to uh, cultivate humility. And secondly, develop a humble posture towards others. And perhaps uh, another apex moment in Jesus' own life is the Last Supper, his last night. He's soon to be betrayed, but even before Judas has left the room, and gone out into the night. It's Jesus who lays aside his garments, puts a towel around his waist, gets down on his hands and knees, pours water into a basin, begins to wash the disciples' feet. Uh, they are initially shocked, as evidenced by Peter's own comments. But he, he does that act, of, that humble act, as a visual impression for their lives from this point forward. And it's not about always washing everybody's foot in a literal sense. But he provides a teaching just to say, do you understand what I've done is what scripture says. You address me as teacher and master. He's the big guy. He's the honcho. And rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, wash your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. Pretty easy and simple and direct instruction. We need to be foot washers to our spouses, our children, our parents, our employees, our employer, friend and stranger. A third way to cultivate humility in our lives, I believe, is generosity. Um, Being a generous person uh, with our resources and what we often have in the kind of a moneyed culture we have our resources uh, is about checkbooks and credit cards and savings accounts and portfolios and to be a generous person with our money because generosity will change your life for the better and being generous will break the grip that money has in our lives or can have in our lives i'm familiar with that grip I lived with that grip for a long time, and I learned. I know when the grip was broken, and I know I'm a recovering um, moneyholic. Uh, but I've been in recovery for a long time, and I praise God for that. But we give out of gratitude. We give proportionally. We think in terms of percentage giving, not dollar amount givings, because we want to get that number up. Uh, we give intentionally. We think and pray about where we are to give. We give regularly. And we give as a first priority. Um, One way I live that out simply, because I'm a budgeter, I make a budget for every year. And in January, we decide, uh, I get Ellen's blessing, 
this is what will be our minimum giving away this year. So we lead off the year with what we will do during the year. And so there's uh, money left there for discretionary giving so that as things arise along the way, we already have a money bucket that's uh, ready to give in that way. Giving promotes humility when you do it with the right motive. And a fourth way to grow in humility is it's not something we do, but something that can happen to us. Uh, we lose. Um, I know we all love to win. Um, I know God uses losing, though, to develop humility in us. Whatever the game is, we want to win, uh, whether it's at business or at play or even the game of life. But there's a peculiar counter and benefit, counterintuitive benefit to losing. Losing diminishes the ego. Losing provides, in other words, another means for us to acquire humility. So four suggestions to offer for those of you who are moved to further grow in humility. Bow before the Lord through worship, foot washing, service of others, generosity, and it will change our lives too. And occasionally embrace losing, knowing the Lord will bring something good from it. Lord, it is hard to be humble, but we also know that humility is the passport to the kingdom of God. I think of the Prince George family. We can be bold. We can be confident. We can be successful in life. And most important of all, we can be humble. Amen.